This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. A few things to say by introduction. My name is Y, and uh, my tie is like that because you might have heard me coughing. So if it's if it's done up, then I will I will cough even more. So please uh, excuse the tie. Anyway, this is my style, right? Okay. So second thing to say by introduction is uh, this is a familiar passage uh, to most of us. Uh, but maybe for some of us here, it's uh, not that familiar. So I'm going to try and do something interesting. Uh, we'll think about the passage, but we'll also do something fun, okay, which I will let you know uh, what it is later. The outline is in the bulletin, which uh, you might find helpful. Let's ask God to help us as we hear his word. Uh, God, we thank you that we have your word. And we thank you for this passage that we can consider together as a church family. Think about what you are saying to us. Uh, Please, even though it is familiar, please nourish us by your word. Please challenge us with the truths that are here. We pray this for our good and for your glory. Amen. Now, this is a familiar story, but please uh, put yourself in the shoes of Joseph. Now, Joseph is betrothed to Mary, and what you must understand by uh, betrothal is that it is more than what we call engagement today. You know, like some of our young people in our church, some of them have gotten engaged, you know, a few couples this year. I mean, you know, maybe more than two, one hand, need to count. Uh, Okay, it's more than an engagement. Because if, uh, you know, choi, 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 if any of them break off the engagement, Okay, it will just be you know, a bit sad, a bit of heartache. But if you break off this betrothal, then you actually have to divorce. Okay, so it's the closest thing that you can come to uh, marriage uh, in that time. So Joseph is betrothed to Mary. And uh, as they move towards the, the wedding date, the marriage date, he can't escape the nagging feeling that something is wrong. And then as that bump slowly becomes bigger and more visible for Mary, he has to come to that realization that his wife, this person that he is betrothed to, has done the dastardly deed. She's gotten pregnant. I mean, he wasn't the one that did it. So clearly... You know, if he remembers his uh, GCSE biology, you know, uh, clearly, someone else must have done it. So the, the, the nagging feeling now turned to reality is that Mary has been unfaithful. She has been with another man. So can you imagine the, the, the turmoil, the emotional turmoil that Joseph is going through? And then, you know, sleepless nights thinking, what is he going to do? And man, she was just, she was such a, she was such a nice girl when I got introduced to her. How could she do this to me? And then as he considers his options, he could expose her to public shame. But in those days, if you were caught committing adultery, having a child or wedlock, I mean, the, Penalty could easily be being stoned to death in public. So that was you know, one option that Joseph had. 
But Joseph, you know, as we read here, because he is a, a kind man, he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. And so he decided that he would divorce her quietly. Okay, you can imagine like, the, the, the sleepless nights, the emotional turmoil that brought Joseph to that point where he would go, okay, this is what I need to do. I mean, I need to do the right thing, which means I can't marry her. Because she's committed adultery, it would be wrong for me to marry her. But then because he's also confronted by the mercy in the law, he decides that he would divorce her quietly. And so he comes to this decision. This uh, scandal that has happened in his life, in his family. And once he has decided to take this course of action, notice what the passage tells us in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So what is happening here is that into this scandal, into this emotional turmoil and sleepless nights that Joseph is experiencing, God speaks. God intervenes, God speaks, he helps Joseph see through sending a messenger, sending an angel, God speaks his word into this situation to help Joseph see what is actually happening. Now in case you missed it, the point is that Mary has not been unfaithful. Mary did not sleep with another man. Mary did not commit adultery. This bump that is slowly growing, you know, is because there is an embryo there that is slowly growing, you know, growing, growing, and it is there by the Holy Spirit. Now, God sends an angel to tell Joseph this, and we know from uh, other Christmas accounts that the angel also appeared to marry herself to prepare her, and the angels also appeared to, you know, Elizabeth, uh, Zechariah, and even appeared to the shepherds. Now, imagine this, right? Think about what other time in Bible history has there been so many angels, messengers from God coming and announcing and declaring what God wants the people to know. I mean, like, like for the shepherds, right? First there was an angel telling the shepherd, then that, then that one angel is joined by a multitude of angels and they are singing. I mean, can you imagine the sight? Now, when you imagine an angel... You mustn't imagine, you know, like young cat with wings, you know, chubby, cute, you know, flying. Okay, because all of the angels, when they appear to the humans, they have gone through angel-human interaction 101. And the first lesson they learn is, you know, just like the air stewardess on the plane, they learn the drill and they say, do not be afraid. Okay, that's what they, that's what they, that's what they learn to say because all of the humans that they need will be, you know, like, wow, they'll be afraid, they'll be terrified because the angel is majestic. Now, if uh, we weren't that educated, when we see an angel, we might be tempted to worship the angel as if he was God himself. I mean, that's how majestic the angel is. So can you imagine an angel comes, you know, like 
flies in here and appears in front of us. I mean, all of us would be terrified, would be hiding under the chairs. And then the angel, because he's gone through the 101 training, he will say, do not be afraid. Okay, I bring you, and because he's a messenger from God, he will bring us a word from God. Now just imagine this, right? If it happened, right? Just imagine the angel comes, and then he says, okay, don't be afraid. Okay, this is a message God has to give to BTPC. Now, I am willing to bet that you will, for 30 Christmases, be telling this story. But every time, I mean, like every time you will, oh, remember the Christmas of 2019? Or the, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the angel. Well, I mean, you will all be remembering that for the rest of our lives. And we'll all remember what the angel said. Am I correct? Correct. Am I right? We will remember what the angel said. Now, my point is simply trying to make that whether it is from the mouth of an angel, or whether we read it in some thick book, you know, black and white words, leather bound, okay, mine is fake leather, you know, it is still ultimately from God. So there is no reason for us, you know, if the angel appears, gives us a message, there's no reason for us to consider that message, that word, as any more important than any of the truth of the words we find here. Because the angel in this situation comes as a messenger from God, intervening, God speaking his word. And at Christmas, God sends so many angels, so many angels announcing what is now happening. So the fun thing I was going to do, and I'm going to do now, okay, get ready, is that we're going to sing carols as we move through this sermon. Okay, okay, it's just going to be two. Okay, just going to be two. So the first carol that we're going to sing a part of is about angels coming. And angels coming to announce this glorious thing that has now happened. And in case you ever wondered uh, what the... Okay, we can show the, the song that we're going to sing. The chorus is uh, Gloria in Excelsior Deo. It means glory to God in the highest. Right? That was what the, the multitude of angels were singing. Glory to God in highest. Because of what they are now announcing. This great event that God has sent so many messengers intervening with his word, helping us to understand glory to God in the highest. Okay, so we'll, 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 this is the Christmas mood. We'll sing some carols as we consider this passage. So please stand and we'll sing together.
All right, please take a seat. So we considered the scandal and angels. Now we'll consider the spirit and Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And this was a prophecy that was given seven, eight hundred years before the birth of Jesus, that there would come, the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. This is uh, verse 23. And Emmanuel means God with us. So that was given 700, 800 years before the birth of Christ. And then as a follow-up to that prophecy we read in our responsive reading, unto us, son will be born, and he will be called all these things, right? Can you, you notice one of the things that he will be called? I mean, Prince of Peace, you know. But one of the things he will be called is Mighty God. Now I wonder if we lived in those times, if we had those prophecies come, and then you know we read, you know, Isaiah seven, oh, the virgin will conceive, call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And then we read again Isaiah nine, a son that will be born, and he will be called mighty God. Now I wonder whether the people there I mean, how would they be able to conceive? Right? Definitely they would not have conceived it literally. Okay, now this word literally is uh, misunderstood, right? Single Right? Sometimes people, when they say literally, they use it wrongly. Uh, when they say literally and use it wrongly, they mean, I'm really serious. Uh, this, is, this is really true. You know, so um, I didn't prepare an example. But okay, uh, literally... You know, um, she looked like a tiger. Ah, something like that, right? Okay, that, okay, that is a, a wrong use of the word literally, right? Okay, because even though the person really thinks that she looked like a tiger, she did not literally look like a tiger. Okay, I hope you understand what I mean. So, I take it, I take it that the people who had Isaiah's prophecy, they heard the words, they read the words, Emmanuel, God with us, son will be born, you know, prince of peace, okay, mighty God. Okay, they did not take it literally. They think, yeah, somehow, somehow, yeah, God will be with us, you know, some way, his protection, you know, his hand will be with us, but they did not take it literally that God would be with us. Because you must understand, their conception of God, their understanding of just how great, just how holy, just how infinite God is. How, how could He literally be born as a son, you know, you know a, a human, and be with us? How could that happen literally? No, no, somehow, some spiritual way, yes, yes, God would be with us, and this this... Son, you know, he'll be, he'll be, you know, God will be with him. That's why he can be. No, they did not take it literally. But what we have in this passage, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the angel now coming, delivering this message, is that, okay, this is a great news about Christmas. That literally, God is with us. Literally, 
the son that has been born, and he is mighty God. That is the incarnation. The God who is holy, infinite, the creator, he has taken on flesh, literally God with us. Now you might wonder why does God need to do this? Okay, so I mean some of the examples I have in my mind is let's say you are an ant lover. You know, like people love cats, people love dogs. Okay, there are some people who really love ants. Okay, I saw a CNA documentary of this guy who goes out into the jungle at night to find ants and you know he brings it home and then he builds an ant nest. I mean there are people who really love ants. So now imagine you are this great ant lover and you see this ants crawling towards and then they're going to eat poison you know and then, and then you, you, you try and stop them but then they're still going there now <clears throat> how and what is the best way that you're going to communicate to the ants tell them not to eat the poison tell them not to head towards this certain disaster well if the ant lover had the power he would begin to think that hey, maybe the best way is if I become an ant. Then only as an ant, then I, you know, I go in front, then I you know, squirt, squirt, squirt the chemicals to tell them to turn around, turn around, don't head there, that's disaster down there. Okay? You need to become an ant in order to communicate, in order to really get across what you want to tell the ants and save them from disaster. Okay, if that illustration doesn't help you, okay, try another. Okay, this one is from C.S. Lewis. Okay, C.S. Lewis, which is you imagine that you are characters, characters in a story. Okay, and this 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 great author has written this great story, and we are all characters in that story. Now, the only way, if you are a character in this story. The only way that you will be able to know, be in a relationship with, to know the author, is if the author writes herself into the story. So in this story, where we are all characters, you know, and I mean, like, you know, you got a job, I got this, and then you know, maybe we are solving this mystery or something, right? And then we do not know the author. We cannot know the author because she is away from us. She is other to us. She is not in this story. We only know each other. We are characters. We are in, you know, relating to each other. The only way we get to know the author is if she writes herself into the story. Then she can write about how we know each other and interact. Now this is why, because the God who so loved the world Send his one and only son. Send his one and only son. Why? So that there could be relationship. God with us. Because God desires this relationship. And instead of being a God who is out there, far away, this God has come near. He has come so near that he has become one of us. And all this happened through the Spirit doing something in Mary's womb. Okay, now what was happening there? Okay, what was happening there? I mean, of course, you know, we don't know all the details. There's great mystery to this. But what has happened is this. Okay, what has happened is this. The 
second person of the Trinity. Right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Okay, remember what we learned in church camp? Okay. One God, three persons, right? One nature, the divine nature, one God, but three persons. So the Son, second person of the Trinity, has always existed. Just as the Father and the Spirit. God is not created. God has always existed. You know, minus infinity, positive infinity. He's always existed. He's not created. Now what the Spirit did is, in taking the second person of the Trinity, the one who has always existed, the one who, before God created, all that existed was Father, Son, Spirit, in this triune relationship of love, you know, doing the dance, you know, of love, is always existed. Now, what happened on Christmas is that the Spirit took the pre-existent, the one who has always existed, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, and made him into a fetus, an embryo, and finally giving birth to a baby boy. God took, through the Spirit, the pre-existent Son and put flesh on Him. All this to fulfill the prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us. Because God desires to have this relationship with us. And so He has come in His Son, in the flesh. Now, there was this story I read about how this pastor was trying to explain to uh, some Muslim scholars about the incarnation of God becoming flesh, dwelling with us. And the way he explained it was, as I said, <clears throat> you know, there were so many uh, young people in our church who got engaged uh, this year. You know, you know, you know who some of them? Wesley, got Wei Rong, you know, and then you know, small band also. Oh, all this okay, okay. Anyway, it's not an open. Okay, so so these guys, right? This year, they have popped the question, right? Now the thing is, you can imagine when they pop the question, none of them, none of them, send their friend to ask whether, you know, the person will marry him. No, they, they, I mean, they didn't send a messenger, they didn't send someone else, they went themselves. Because when it comes to love, you must go yourself. And so the Bible tells us that God so loved the world, so loved the world that He desires this relationship. And so when it comes to love, God, He goes Himself. And so at Christmas, we celebrate God becoming flesh, fully human, fully God. And so in the next carol we're going to sing, in the second stanza, okay, it captures it so well. The next arrow. <clears throat> ah, okay. This one, yes, this part. 
the words where we sing in this carol, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. So we see Jesus, we see his flesh, but we also see the fullness of God. Built in flesh, the Godhead see, hail, incarnate deity. Incarnation is of the one who is holy and infinite, now taking on flesh to be with us. So let's celebrate the great mystery and the great wonder and the great news of God becoming flesh by singing a few stanzas of this carol. Thank you. Please take a seat. <clears throat> so we come to our last point, where it is our sins and the Son. And we are told clearly uh, by the angel in verse 21, the great purpose of why God has come and taken on flesh. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus is from uh, the word, the name Joshua, which means God saves. So, in Jesus' time, it was a common name. I mean, there were plenty of Jesuses going around. You know, then the kindergarten, kindergarten teacher would say, Jesus, stop doing that! And then, you know, three or four kids would look. You know, is it me? Ah, okay. So, it's a common name. It means God saves. Uh, obviously, after... You know, the Jesus has come, you know, less people are called that. Lah, okay? But it was a common name and it means uh, God saves. And what is it that God saves us from? I mean, what is it that you would like God to save you from? Is it, I mean, like, you know, are you, when, you, when you think about God saving you, is it you want God to save you from this, this, this you know, boring job, you know, this job that is, is you know, driving you to your grave, or, or you, know, you want God, God to save you from your financial problems, or, you know, uh, you know, for me recently, I'm experiencing a bit of ill health, 
okay, no, it's not that serious. It's just, uh, you know, pain in my, my, my heels and then every time I do too much exercise, my, my, my shoulder hurts. Okay. That sort of thing, you know, like, uh, you know, what is it that God, if He, if He comes that you want God to save you from? You know, pain, emotional pain, pain from a relationship. I mean, like, what is it that you want God to save you from? Well, the angel tells us that the second person of the Trinity took on flesh so that as the one who is fully God, fully man, he will come and he will save us from our sins. Now, the thing to realize is that there is only one who can do that. Now, in order to save us from our sins, he has to be exactly like us. He has to be exactly like us, then he can be our substitute. I mean, because, you know, it's like, um, if you love this pig, you have a pet pig, but this pet pig is going to be slaughtered for, you know, Chinese New Year dinner. He said, no, no, not Pinky. You know, I love Pinky. You know, I, you know, I, I have cared for Pinky since he was, a, he was a little rump, you know. He said, no, not Pinky. Then, then the, the people, hey, okay, if not this pig, then it's got to be another pig. Then, okay, okay, I'll get another pig. You know, so you got to get another pig. I mean, you cannot bring fish. No, you can't have fish. We want pork. We want pork, right, for Chinese New Year. Okay, so to be our substitute. He has to be like us. Which is why if Jesus is to come and save us from our sins, he has to come and he has to be fully human. And so as the one who is fully human, he lived that sinless life, that every thought, every word, every deed, every motive of his heart, every inkling, everything was sinless and perfect. That's why he can be our substitute. He can stand in for us. We who have sinned, rejected God, not put God at the center of our lives, we deserve to face God's judgment, God's wrath. So to save us from our sins, God has sent a substitute. But if this substitute was only human, and even though this human had lived that sinless, perfect life, the most he could substitute would be for one other human being. So if that substitute was only human, even though he was sinless, all he could substitute was for one. So he would go, oh, should I save Yan Chin? Should I save Lynette? I mean, I can only save one. I can only substitute for one if he's only human. And so not only is Jesus our substitute, he is our sufficient substitute. Because as the one who is fully God, fully God, he can take the place of all of God's people. He can bear the punishment, face the wrath that all of God's people deserve. Because as God, he infinitely is able to face and to absorb all of the wrath and punishment that God's people deserve to face. So as our Savior, there is only one who can be that Savior, the one who must be fully human, 
to be our substitute, but also the one who is sufficient because he is fully God. That's why there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which we can be saved. There is only one, and his name is Jesus, the one who saves us from our sins. Now, there may be some of you here, and you, you, know, you, don't, you don't consider yourself a Christian, and that's fine. Uh, we thank you that you would spend your time with us. But what I want to urge you this uh, Christmas season is, as you have learned this about Jesus, that he is our sufficient substitute. Every time you hear the name Jesus, now it could be in a carol, you're walking through NTUC, you know, and then they play the carol, and you hear the name Jesus, or it could be you know, in a movie where one of the characters, you know, something falls on his foot, and he goes, Jesus hates Christ! You know, whatever. You know, uh, whether it's as a swear word, or in a carol, whenever you hear the name Jesus, just try and recall what it says in verse 21. That this Jesus has come to save you from your sins. Can you do that? Every time you hear the, the, the name Jesus, whether it's in a carol or it's a swear word or you see his name somewhere, just remember this, that it means God saves because he has come to save you from your sins. Now, I want to encourage you that if this is something that intrigues you, you know, I mean, it's all, it all sounds so fantastic, right? God becoming man, saving me from my sins. Now, if it is true that we have a problem of sin that we need saving from, and what we are saying here is that there is only one who is adequate to do that, only one who is our sufficient substitute, then can I urge you to give more thought and investigation to this? So what is happening on the 5th of January is that uh, we will run a course called Christianity Explored. And uh, what the course is, is simply the title. We will explore what Christianity is all about. And we're going to do it by just looking at one of the books of the Bible that talk about the life and the words and the works of Jesus. Now, if uh, you don't consider yourself a Christian, can I urge you to consider going for this course to see if the record of the life and the words and the works of Jesus hold any weight that he is sinless, fully human, and may it be true, fully God, and so able to be that sufficient substitute to save you from your sins. So 5th of January, uh, more information will be given. Uh, it would be great if you can come along to see for yourself whether this Jesus is that sufficient substitute. Now for the rest of us, the rest of us who do believe in Jesus and we celebrate Christmas with joy knowing that this is a gift that God has given, given to me. That at first Christmas, my sufficient substitute came and, and, he, and my sins, I'm saved from my sins. The challenge I want to leave with us is if the mission of this son that was given, if the reason for why he came 
to save his people from their sins. Then can I ask us, when we think about what is most important for us, when we think about what is our goal in life, what is my mission in life? You know, maybe for us, my mission in life is, you know, I want to, you know, advance the career, or my mission in life is to be the, the, the best mom I can be to my kids, or my mission in life is to be, you know, fittest on earth, you know, like, fittest pastor on earth. You know, like, I mean, the, you know, like, we, all of us, we will, we, will, we will phrase our mission in life in some way. The great challenge for us is how much does the mission of the Son that was given, the one who is fully God, fully man, Emmanuel, God with us, come to dwell with us. And why did he come? He came to save his people from... That was his mission. How much of his mission influences our mission? How much of a big deal of a priority is the mission of Emmanuel, God with us? How much does it influence what's important to you, what's important to me? How much does it influence my decisions with my time and resources and money? How much of his mission is also our mission? And this, Emmanuel makes it clear that it must be our mission. Because at the end of this book in Matthew, he gives his disciples that commission. Go, make disciples. Tell people that their sins can be forgiven. Tell people that they can be saved from their sins. I mean, if um, Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker is in his fourth week, instead of his first week, I would have said something. But I can't because I don't spoil it for you. But... But the point is, the point is the great news, right? The great news going out there, you can tell people that they can be saved from their sins. And what this Emmanuel wants to remind us as we join him on his mission is that I am with you always. May God help us. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.